are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. That's right. He is Steve, Xbox Live Steve Bitch, and we are grateful to all those who have served in episode 174 this Memorial Day weekend, May 23rd, 2020. We're going to be catching up with each other before we go into a little bit of gaming news, a little bit of movie news, and maybe even a little bit of like a quasi-tech update before jumping into our topic of the day, which is BioWare working on, that's right, Anthem 2.0, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this episode's detailed section below. Otherwise, you just keep on eavesdropping. Steve, have you been enjoying your Memorial Day weekend so far? So far, so good. I would like to get a little more sleep, um, but so far, so good. I need to barbecue something. I haven't barbecued anything yet, but Steve, uh, I'm not, I wasn't aware you even knew how to barbecue. I, well, I gotta, I gotta learn. I've barbecued like twice in my life, so I know how to set a fire and and place some raw meat on the on the grill. But <laughs> beyond that. Uh, I know there is some peppering and marinating and uh, flipping that has to occur. I remember uh, you actually being <laughs> uh, experienced. What, what is it? Grilling the oysters? Yeah. You know, I don't believe I have actually tasted one of your oysters. Um, they are fantabulous. At least they were in California. I bought them fresh, friggin' fresh. So fresh and so clean, clean, so fresh and so clean. And they were astounding. They were so good. We we filled. That was one of my last days in California. Uh, that was that. Whew, I don't know if I could replicate it here in Texas, but that was that was fantabulous. So I've done uh-huh. oysters, and I've done I've done a couple burgers, and I think I did one chicken. Uh, that's been about it. That's that's <laughs> the length of my 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 grilling barbecuing experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, I gotta. I'll probably grab. Probably buy some cheap meat and see how well I can pamper it up. And make sure I can cook it right first before I invite anybody over, and then um, we shall see. But always a good step. Always a good first step. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one got salmonella when we did it, so <laughs> we feel it's safe to invite people over. I only got food poisoning the first two times I tried it, but it should be okay this time. Okay. Worked out all the kinks. <laughs> I know I'm learning because I got the runs once this time, and it didn't last more than an hour. So- I was hallucinating for only 10 minutes this time. So anyhow, we'll see how that goes, but uh, my wife and I have been taking a walk, uh, or many walks, and, and people have been barbecuing, so... We uh, we definitely want to get our barbecue on pretty soon. We'll see what happens. Oh, good. I'm glad that you're doing that. It's uh, it's exciting. I, I assume that she has been continuing to make her tasty dishes. Uh, yes, she has. Indeed, she has. Actually, you know what she did? She likes to. She's enjoying this Texas sun, and she likes to sunbathe a bit in the backyard. And um, but she. Sometimes she just wants to sit out there and FaceTime and, you know, talk to friends and family just outside. And so she bought this ginormous, one of those, um, it's like a, it's like a picnic umbrella. Like it's, it's, it's not an umbrella. I mean, there's like a weighted base to it. Uh, but she bought one of these things and it's ginormous and it's red and now we can be, pretty far from the house and we can still pick out our house because it's the red umbrella that's outside. Well, 
last night was a bit windy. I was going to say the little <laughs> storm action was happening. And so um, <laughs> after you and I spoke, I, I heard, I, I thought the sound came from the chimney and I thought it was hail because you had sent me a picture of somebody in, in north, way north Texas, like Texas north border uh, that had a literally quite, Quite literally, a volleyball or like your head size hail. <laughs> it was like cantaloupe, yeah, yeah, like no joke. And like, it was like a small meteor, and and then uh, it literally like between probably about five, maybe not even ten minutes later on, I hear this thunk on the roof. I'm like, you've got to be joking. The wind isn't even that high right now. And then I heard another bonk. I'm like, crap. So I don't want to go outside because I don't get hit in the head with any of this stuff. But um, anyway, we didn't get any, so far as we know, hail damage. But that umbrella got blown around a little bit outside. (laughs) And um, so I think that's what all the thumping was. But the umbrella, I think, so far as I know, is okay. I think it lost a bar. But (laughs) is it the kind of umbrella that has the weight on the bottom? Like like you fill it with sand or something and it it can be used right? like predominantly as like just a way to like lay out in the sun or is it one of those like picnic style umbrellas that has like the circular table attached? No, it, it's got the weighted base to it. They, you don't put any sand in there. They, it, I'm sure they probably pre-filled it with sand when it got here because when she nice. was on Amazon, it came, that whole thing came separate. That thing weighed a ton by itself. How many people could sit underneath that thing? The stairs? Oh, I would say three, maybe four. Well, that's cool. Five. Does it have white trim around the edges of this uh, umbrella? No, no, no. It's just purely red. Yeah. Is the stem white, Steve? No. It, what color is the stem? Uh, it's like a black kind of dark olive kind of color, Russ. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Anyhow. I'll have to check it out one of these days, you know, when we're not facing a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You never know. You may walk outside and then catch something, Rush. <laughs> Somebody might sneeze in the wind and you might inhale it. You never so know. Might walk by and all of a sudden they just drop dead. What happened to Tim? I think <laughs> the old COVID caught up with him. Man. So what have you been playing, Steve? Have you been playing any games this week? Let's see. Well, Actually, I- pause that. How Are you the happy new owner of a vehicle today, Steve? Hypothetically, yes. Sounding um, maybe. So hypothetically, yes. So yeah, <laughs> basically we we have the vehicle in our possession. We have signed for it, um, but the the dealership uh, in writing has said that they will let us back out of the agreement if we don't want the vehicle um, after we get it checked out. Because that was the thing I said. I don't want to. I'm I'm interested in the vehicle. But I, I've had too many bad experiences uh, with dealerships and, you know, people telling me the car is great and the car is good to go. And then it's not. I mean, I, that's what I've been talking about for the last two months on this show. And so they said, OK, we will. We, you, well, you have to sign for the car, but we can put it in the contract that if, if you if there if your mechanic says, you know, there's too much you know stuff going on with this vehicle. It's running, but it's not in good running order. Like stuff's going to fail pretty soon. Then yes, you can bring it back. We will re, you know, we will completely cancel the purchase agreement, cancel the loan, cancel the whole everything, and you can walk away from it with you know spending a cent. Ah, yes, said, the due diligence, the double yes. D that is so, highly sought after by both men and women. 
So I we have the vehicle and it's in the driveway and it's beautiful. And uh, we, we feel like we did really did get a good deal on it. Um, you know, it's a used vehicle. So there's some, some, you know, some scratches in the paint. I think the previous owner like curb shotted the uh, one of the rims, which it's not terrible, but I mean, it's a used vehicle. What do you expect? It's, you know, it's, uh, it's not perfect. So uh, I think that was part of the reason why we got it. Um, we were able to get it at a very good price, but used vehicles are going to have paint defects. My car has paint defects. Actually, my previous car even has more paint defects. What are you going to do? So anyhow, even my, my wife's old vehicle, which is the same year as this one, has even more paint defects. So I don't know. It is well, what it is. So well, I, we, paint we defects feel, aside, though, when are you guys going to you know decide whether or not to commit? Uh, we'll probably commit by Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday at the latest. I'm excited for you. But it's sitting out there in the driveway there, Russ. I could uh, send you a little picture pick. I would love it. to see it. Absolutely. I want to check it out. I'm sure it's just sitting there purring, winking at you through the window. Yep, yep. So, and it is comfy. It is, you know, so, and that's that's the main reason. We wanted to get something that we could, that was within our price range that we could pay off like relatively early. We got a long loan because we hadn't, we intended to pay it off early. I need to be working on my, my credit. And so that was part of the thing too. Um, and it smells good inside. We didn't want something where, you know, somebody would, was smoking or decided to, to dump a gallon of, you know, Stetson cologne or something at the back. So it reeks. Right. So it smells decent. It's clean. It's comfortable. And, uh, so we're, we're happy. Good. I'm happy for you there, Steve. So, uh, before I cut you off, what have you been playing? Right. So, been playing nothing but more God of War, and I will say I'll tell you exactly where I'm at. I I I'm, I just got my knives, and uh, my boy is now healed. He was sick there for a while, and I had to I had to run solo, and so my boy is now healed, and I am continuing my journey. Does that give you kind of any any um, idea where I I'm know at? exactly where you are? Yes. Is, is that am I about halfway through? Yeah, I would say so. You might be a little bit farther than halfway through, maybe more like 60 to 70% of the way through. Okay. Yeah, like I, I just literally got done with the uh, the ice giant that uh, I guess his corpse is still frozen. But, you know, I remember watching, seeing it at your house where you're like, oh, man, his graphics are great. You can see every hair in his beard. I'm like, yeah, you can. And then, like, you can kind of see into his mouth a little bit. You're that close. That I already did that. Um, the, no, one of the things that I, that, uh, I, I'm finding is a bit difficult is I'll, I'll find like these secret areas and it says, oh yeah, you know, you, you know, come, you know, this place will be listed on the map, come on back. And then I'll, I'll go to the little boat docking point of where it was listed, but I can't figure out how to get back to the secret area. So I'm like nuts, but hmm. anyhow, but and I, and I can tell why this game was so popular and, and why it received the praise that it did. I can definitely tell, but I still am sticking to my decision so far that game of the year would still went to red dead over God of war. I just, so far I definitely feel more immersed in red dead and I have more affection towards the, all the characters in red dead um, than I do towards 
God of War. Now that might change on the second playthrough, and I and that's not saying anything bad about the game. But so far, I'm, that's not, that's all I'm trying to say is that I still hold true to my personal game of the year was Red Dead and not God of War. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we finished season one of Luke Cage, and we began season one of Iron Fist. <laughs> We're going through it. Oh, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> so violent over there. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's what's basically going on uh, over here, Russ. Uh, what about you? What are you? Uh, what have you been watching? What have you been playing? What well, been I picking? must say, I'm glad that you're uh, finally getting into God of War Four because that is a game that is not to be missed, and it actually reminds me a bit of how I want to play the New Game Plus version of that game once I actually have like a 4K TV because when I played it, I believe I was playing on the regular PS4, and then I got the PS4 Pro. But I don't have a 4K TV, and I, I definitely want to be able to go through that. And I think they've actually added some cool armor and stuff that you can uh, earn if you beat the game a second time or something like that. But my goodness, that that was such a triumph of a game. And I agree with you. I think that Red Dead Redemption 2 still holds, in, in my mind at least, uh, game of the year of 2018. But God of War, definitely, that was a, that was a high mark. 2018 had a lot of really good games. Um, it, it, it was a very impressive year. I remember really struggling with trying to figure out just which one I was going to go with. But for me, I have been continuing my odyssey through uh, Legends of Runeterra there, Steve. And I keep signing on, hoping that, to see you on there. Sometimes we could play again, but I, I do not see your name listed as online. It makes me sad. Hmm. I wish uh, you were on there, but I continue to have a lot of fun with it. I, I have um, been making a focus to go through the quests each day. They, they release like one quest of like, Oh, if you use this character and this character, or if you do this type of ability or whatever in a match, you can get bonus points, which of course the points go toward unlocking more of the cards. And I am still, pretty far away from unlocking all of the cards that the game has to offer, but that's totally fine. I'm, I'm really having a, a fun time discovering new types of cards and, as well as different strategies when I combine various types of cards into a deck. And so I have continued making more and more decks as a result. And uh, it's, it's a fun game. I love the fact that it is available on mobile as well as desktop because I could literally pick it up, play a game or two or 10, and uh, it doesn't matter where I am. It, it, it holds up really well. So definitely thrilled with that, Steve. The other thing is, is that I've been playing more Final Fantasy VII Remake. And um, if you recall, I, I think I told you last week about how I'm kind of stuck. And I, I was describing to you what it was. And um, you haven't uh, played the remake. And, and also, <laughs> it's been a minute since you've played the original Final Fantasy VII. So the the... the fights that I was uh, trying to jog your memory on. Uh, I don't think it, it came to fruition, but that's okay. Because I talked to our good old friend, Brad, who's also playing through the game. He's actually a bit farther than I am. And surprise, surprise. He actually introduced something to me that I had totally forgotten about, which is the SP system. 
Did the did the original Final Fantasy VII have an SP uh, upgrade system, Steve? SP upgrade, like I mean, you upgraded your characters. Well, essentially with this, it's like, like you, yeah, you, you can upgrade, you can choose like which types of upgrades you want to do. If you want to increase the attack power or your defense, um, or your hit points, it's a system that is designed where like, as you level up and as you gain more experience, you can earn more of these, what's called SP points. And now the other one didn't have that one that you, after every fight, you, had your little level up screen where the amount of experience that you had would would g- gather to your current experience, and then if you leveled up, it was just and then you just kind of assumed you got stronger with some certain area, and that was that. Well, okay. So what's interesting about this particular rendition is you you, you are notified when you level up. However, I was not aware that there was this this other menu system that you literally you have to pause the game and go into um, kind of a drill down menu in order to reach it. But each character has their own kind of it's it's very interesting visually speaking. Like it it, it looks like kind of multiple solar systems, and it has these these abilities that are that are orbiting around kind of like this main planet looking thing at the center. And that's where you decide how you want to spend these points. Well, I had like 50 points per character that I hadn't spent because I had forgotten about the system ever existing. And so, I mean, you can go through and, and upgrade. Um, and it, well, let me back up a little bit. So these, these solar system things are tied directly to various types of weapons that are in your, your character's arsenal basically it doesn't even have to be equipped so like cloud for instance has the buster sword that's what you start out with but then i didn't even realize i had an iron sword with me as well and each one of those has 50 sp points that you can spend on it however you want you know you go through and you choose what you want and then you know as you add more or earn more sp points and you can continue spending it on there well i went ahead and did that handily got past the Turk known as rude as well as those weird malfunctioning squid blue looking robot things that were in the slums. So big thank you to Bradley for uh, making me aware of that particular system because I, I got to tell you, I was reaching a point where I was losing interest in playing final fantasy seven. I was starting to get ready to kind of put it up on the shelf because I was thinking, man, like I'm not having fun and I can't get any farther than this random point in the game. But luckily that's no longer the case. And, and I've been making my way farther with uh, Aerith over to Sector 7, Steve. <laughs> Sector 7G, Mr. Burns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm still having um, um, a good time. The, the fun factor level has indeed arisen back to where it was before. So that's good. Yeah. So I, I, when you when you defeated the uh, little scorpion, Delio, Russ, the uh, the baddie, did you when you set the bomb, did you get out of there in the shorter amount of time offered or the longer time offered? Right. Shorter. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because when I played the demo, I actually set it for the longer time, and then when I got the full game, I was like, you know what? No. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it for the shorter time. In which case, Barrett kind of leaned forward and was like, 
kind of cocky, aren't you? <laughs> Which was different than what he said before to the longer time listed. Indeed. I am looking forward to when you play that game, though. I really, really, really want you to pick up a copy of this game and start playing it just because I feel it. There's, there's just this brotherly bond thing that's going on, Steve. We need to be able to play this game together even though we're not in the same room, so we can talk about everything that the game has to offer and then some. Well, let's segue over into some gaming and movie news, as well as tech news. For gaming news, we have one particular story uh, Overwatch is currently celebrating its anniversary yet again. I don't know if you're aware of this, Steve, but it is celebrating their four-year anniversary. Sounds about right. Lots of new skins to collect. I happened to load it up the other day just to take a little gander, and they've got a, um, a whole slew of, of different cool-looking skins, which, I mean, at this point is no surprise. It's, their, their art department and their character department um, are just on fire it's amazing how they have continued to make skin after skin over the course of four years with i don't even know how many characters are there in their roster now is it like 32 or something yeah i was gonna say like maybe 34 yeah somewhere somewhere in that vicinity there and it's it's now mind you they don't have new skins for this particular anniversary year for each and every character however they make all of the anniversary skins, which are typically locked 364 days of the year to be unlocked for this. Uh... Actually, you know what? That's not correct. 364 days is not accurate because the anniversary special, I think, lasts between three to four weeks. So it's, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, 365 minus 21. We'll just say that. If I knew how to do math, I'd be able to tell you precisely what that means. <laughs> but I failed fourth grade mathematics. <laughs> Moving on. They also have timed loot events. I don't recall this, Steve. Um, maybe you have. But when I signed in, they actually granted me a legendary loot box. Have you seen that before? I want to say yes. I think they did. Maybe maybe it is an anniversary thing. But I remember sometimes when I haven't hadn't played Overwatch in a while. I would sign in and they would just grant me a loot box for no apparent reason. Uh, I don't know if it was a legendary loot box, but they would, I mean, I would, I would sign into the game and before I hit quick play or anything else, it would just throw me a loot box. So yeah, I know I've seen the whole like regular loot box. Like, Oh, Hey, here you go here. Have some loot box action on us. It's like, Oh, Hey, thanks. That's nice. This one though, in particular, it is a legendary loot box. So I opened that sucker up after looking at all the new skins and I actually scored two of the the legendary skins that I was hoping to, to own. One of which, uh, it shows Ash as Little Red Riding Hood and Bob as the Big Bad Wolf dressed in Grandmother's uh, Moo Moo, which is That's awesome. Funny. It's really cool. And even Bob's um, mechanical face and hands and feet, they've all been updated and changed to look like a wolf, like a kind of like a, a cyborg wolf. So I was really thrilled to get that skin. I can't remember what the other one was um, off the top of my head that I, I did receive, but 
I would definitely encourage you to sign in um, just to be able to unlock that loot box and, and uh, open that sucker up and see what you get. Because uh, I think it will be active for at least three weeks. And they have special events too. Like each week, you if you like, I don't know, win nine different matches that they'll... They actually have um, a legendary skin for Widowmaker that I believe will be... I think it's activated. It's either next week or this week. I can't remember which week it is, but it's actually a, it's a pretty cool. Has almost kind of like a New Orleans Saints kind of uh, not not the football team, but like just the it has a New Orleansy kind of look uh, to the textures and the colors and stuff to it, which I think is pretty slick. But anyway, if you as long as you win nine matches during that time frame, you can also unlock that particular legendary skin, which I think is pretty slick. I, I like the idea of how. They are branching out in different ways as opposed to having to save up 3,000 credits in order to buy just one legendary skin. So we may have to, uh, I don't know, give that a little uh, little run for its money considering that we haven't uh, been very active in that area there if you're interested in the future of the street. I would be interested in some... What was it? Capture the Flag? I would be interested in some Capture the Flag, Russ. Uh, as I'd be interested in some mayhem, I think. Those would be the two little modes I'd be interested in. And if it came with a loot box, then, you know, so be it. But uh, I think they need to bring out those two modes. And I'd be like more, you know, a little more, a little more charmed to come back. Apparently, they also moved quick play into the, um, I don't know what you call it, the, the arcade section or whatever, but... They, you know, if you're kind of yearning for more of that old school Overwatch right. experience, you can actually go in there. And I think that's when you, where you can actually um, have like like the entire character roster at your disposal to choose from, as opposed to the new model that, that they're doing. So I was not aware of that until I was looking into it. I was like, oh, well, good. I'm glad they didn't do away with it entirely. <laughs> it's probably been available for like three months. I know. <laughs> I haven't been playing the game, so it's like, you know, it's, it's probably one of those situations where I'm like, hey, look, we landed on the moon. And people are like, going over into movie news, there is a story about how Justice League Snyder Cut has been confirmed for HBO Max being released in 2021 after months and even years of campaigning by fans, stars, and Zack Snyder himself. The director of Man of Steel confirmed the Snyder Cut of Justice League will officially be released. And I'm sure you've seen the hashtag that's been prominently online, the whole release the Snyder Cut. I I don't think I've seen it, Really? Well, in a lot of the different uh, threads and forums and stuff like that. I've seen it on Twitter, that sort of thing. The whole hashtag release the Snyder Cut. It became a popular hashtag on the social media. But, uh, I have a quote. It says, I want to thank HBO Max and Warner Brothers for this brave gesture of supporting artists and allowing their true visions to be realized. Also, a special thank you to all of those involved in the Snyder Cut movement for making this a reality, which of course was said but none other by Snyder in a statement alongside the announcement. Now, when it comes to that, Steve, what are your thoughts and feelings on that? Is it something that, that wets your whistle? Or are you particularly very interested in seeing a Snyder Cut version of Justice League? 
No. I'm not. And why not? <laughs> well, the, the, the Justice League just really didn't interest me a whole lot. I, I when I remember seeing you know seeing it in the theater, I was like, great, this is fine, but I had no desire to see it a second time. And usually, at least with the cuts that I have seen, yes, it is better, but it's not a night and day difference. So it might put a point or two um, you know, back into you know, what I will, how I feel the movie on the scoreboard. But <clears throat> by and large, I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference that I want to sit through the entire film again. I, it just didn't do much for me. I tend to agree with you because thinking back to the movie, like the movie wasn't bad. It was, I thought it was okay. I do think though that the movie actually benefited from Joss Whedon taking over uh, halfway through production. Because if you recall, Jack Snyder actually had to uh, back out midway through because of uh, family emergency. And so Joss Whedon came in. And so the narrative does have a bit of a a change up to it in terms of the the overall persona of the film. But I think that's actually a really good thing because once again, Joss Whedon was the one who made the Avengers movie. So he clearly knows how to make action team movies. And uh, I'm not exactly sure what the Snyder cut will involve, but if I don't know if if his previous efforts are, are any indicator, I would say there is probably a lot more visual spectacle, but not a whole lot of additional narrative substance. That's kind of his his MO on, on the whole thing. But the other problem too is is that the the villain from the Justice League movie was pretty subpar. He really wasn't all that interesting, and so. But I gotta say, you know, seeing uh, Gal Gadot uh, as Wonder Woman as well as Jason Momoa as Aquaman. That was a lot of fun. And um, even the gentleman who played uh, The Flash, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Do you remember his name, Steve? I don't, Russ, but he did a good job, too. He did a, he did, he did a good job, Steve. Well, and we can't forget about Henry Cavill. <laughs> Love Henry me some Henry Cavill as Man of Steel. Right. And who is no longer the Man of Steel. Wait, I thought that was not actually official. Mm, I haven't heard anything saying that he was going to stay the... I well, heard he was uh, out. I don't know if that is official or not. That might be just rumor. We shall see, Russ. But I think that was one of the reasons why he he picked up being or playing The Witcher was because Man of Steel was put on hold. And not put on hold as in like, yeah, we're just not going to make a movie for a while. But it was like... Yeah, we're not going to make a movie for a while, and you're not going to be it. Say it so, isn't so. There. I want my cavil <laughs> to be the man of steel, the man of my steel. Ooh. I like my calves. <laughs> <laughs> I like my calves to be steel. <laughs> yeah. Segwaying over to technology news, we have a story for that as well in the form of Universal Orlando Studios aiming for a June 5th reopening, but no word yet on the Hollywood theme park. The Hollywood Reporter says plans for the targeted reopening have been filed with the city government. I have a quote here. It says Universal Studios will open June 1st. 
just for employees as a dry run of sorts. And then on June 3rd, some invited guests would visit. Then the pork. The pork? I'm sorry. (laughs) Then the park (laughs) would open to the public on June 5th, officials said, according to The Hollywood Reporter. (laughs) The City Walk... Uh, district within the Florida resort reopened earlier this month with strict new measures in place, such as a mask and temperature check requirement. So I believe that is probably one of the first parks, major parks anyway, that has a definite opening or reopening date. I think Disneyland is still closed, if I'm not mistaken, both in Florida and in Anaheim. And that is your technology news. (laughs) Well, apply that second coat of paint on your javelin. It's time for the topic of the day. Topic of the day is Bioware working on Anthem 2.0. Oh. <laughs> the original title promised next gen graphics, an immersive new world, and a fresh approach Just to like NPC. The first one. <laughs> what? No, I, I, I'm talking about the first one. Are you listening to me? Yeah, okay. I said as I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna re-say what I was saying. The original title promised next gen graphics, an immersive new world, and a fresh approach to NPC interaction, boldly claiming itself as the destiny killer, Steve. If you don't remember, I'm telling you now. In the MMORPG market, I'm sure though you do remember that being a very famous line to you know strum up uh Oh I remember. Hype. I remember. Instead, the graphics got watered down. The new world was half-baked and plagued with horrid loading times. The novel approach to NPC interaction was gutted. And Destiny continues to this day. It's resilient success in the MMORPG market despite its own issues. However, Steve, not all hope is lost. Bioware has issued an update on the state of Anthem, noting that the revamp is still in the incubation period and that the creation of a new version of the game will be a, quote, longer process. Project lead Christian Daly outlined the current state of Anthem 2.0 on the Bioware blog, saying the team is committed to the project. Ah. The team... Working on the update consists of a 30-person team, which is is quite uh, smaller compared to what they were working with before, but... Not terrible. Know, it's not terrible. Not terrible. You know, better than having like two people on it or no people at all. Hey, that, that one... That one guy was making that game in the beginning of the Xbox presentation. That was only one dude. So if one dude can do that, 30 people, hey, you know possible. I don't, I'm not in, losing hope. 
In his own words, Daly described the incubation uh, excuse me, phase as a prototyping period. Quote, we are starting to validate our design hypothesis. It goes on to say, we are going back and experimenting prototyping to improve on the areas where we believe we fell short and to leverage everything that you love currently about Anthem. According to Daly, the nature of this approach means Anthem 2.0 will, quote, be a longer process, as mentioned earlier. So don't expect the new version of the game to arrive anytime soon. There's another quote that says the team is small, but the whole point of this is to take our time and go back to the drawing board. A small team gives us the agility. A larger one can't. What? What? I'm sorry. A small. Let me go back to that quote. A small team gives us the agility a larger one can't afford. End quote. That's what it was there. So, Anthem's overhaul was announced in February, if you recall, Steve. Because this is not necessarily a, a new announcement. This is more of a follow-up with uh, Bioware General Manager Casey Hudson admitting that the game, if you recall, quote, needs a more satisfying loot experience, better long-term progression, and a more fulfilling in-game. So, anyway, what's interesting about this particular um, blog post that they made on the Bioware blog is it's pretty evident that they are revving up their social media relationship campaign using transparency as their vehicle to um, try and drum up um, interest, I guess you could say, with the, the fans who have long left the game uh, for months by now, if not uh, a year at least. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it would be interesting looking at this to talk to you about what we want to see done in Anthem 2.0, because I actually put the game in for just a bit, just to refresh my memory as to what the game is like. And, you know, what's interesting to me is the fact that the, the actual gameplay combat mechanics are really solid there. It's, it's a really fun game to be able to fly around, be able to have the different attack classes. Um, even the, the designs of the, of the javelin suits, is really well done. So to me, I'm actually really glad that they haven't given up on it. I think that it is a classic case of how EA as their publisher were the ones who really got in the way of things when they were developing this game in the first place. And now it seems as though since Anthem has come and gone and EA has a, a new shiny object that they're currently focused on that I think Bioware maybe has the the budget and the personnel to be able to revisit it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that the first game was, or not really was, but ended up being a trial run for what it should have been. Um, I think that when they talked about ideas that they wanted to implement into the game, there were too many people involved, too many different studios, and no one can, you know, everyone was trying to, uh, not I shouldn't say everyone, but there's too many like sidesteps and try and you know too many pissing contests of who wants to do what and with scrap I what idea and this idea's work and I'm, this is better and that's better and whatever and the developers morale you know was just shot out the window so then no one wanted to work on the game and then what we had at the end was just a slop fest that was fun for about three days. So I think knowing what they should have done and also what that Kotaku article brought to light 
which we all had a feeling of anyway, it was, which was strange because we're all like, it seems like they ran out of money. It seems like they didn't have a clear idea. It seems like, you know, everything that it really felt like was actually what had, had happened, you know? So all of our assumptions were actually true, which was terrible. Like the worst case scenario was the actual case scenario. And so they had way more criticism than praise for the game. And so I think now with a smaller team, they can really do a lot of trial runs and hey does this work do we all agree here or do we think we should go somewhere else um or should we get another opinion on this uh you know i think actually i, I think a, a smaller team is the better team um and instead of dividing up between multiple different studios and, and trying to get too many opinions i think having a smaller concise team was actually going to be more efficient and effective and i think they'll make the game that, that they should have made before but here's what i fear and i and i can't help but feel this but I remember with, I think it was Star Wars Battlefront, where the game came, where they had a bunch of marketing for it, and then the game came out and it fell short. And I don't think it, it necessarily failed, but I mean, a lot of folks had a lot higher hopes for it, and I think they actually had some failed promises. And then by the time Battlefront Two came out, when they came up on stage to talk about it at E3, there was it was kind of like a shy, <laughs> "Hi guys, I'm going to talk about Battlefront Two, where." You, you know, please don't throw any tomatoes up here at me. Uh, then they were talking about, okay, this is how the game should have been, but we're, we're giving you another 60 bucks for the game that we should have had before. This is what you told us, and now you're actually making that game. So it's a little bit bittersweet. Yes, we're getting the game we want, but this is the game we wanted when you first told us this is what we were going to have. So that that little morsel is stuck in a brain fold somewhere that I can't get rid of. <laughs> so, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I think. Yeah. The, you know, I, I wrote down some, uh, like, well, it's basically a list of, of different areas that I feel like this team needs to address in order for the Anthem game to, uh, redeem itself. Because like I said, I don't think that, that the game is dead in the water necessarily. I think that there are certain key things that need to be done in order to fix it. Because I do think the game it, it came out half baked. If you recall, like EA just really put the pressure on Bioware to, to have it come out in order to, to, to make their stock holders happy. So well, the first thing on my list I, I was um, writing down on here is I want to have an engaging story that is worthy of the Bioware we knew and loved from the old days. You know, Bioware is one of those studios that has this amazing pedigree behind it where they they had the, these completely engrossing, rich, long-term stories that when you would play, it didn't matter what game you were playing, if it was Mass Effect or Jaded Empire or Dragon Age. They, they had a, a lot of, of different types of titles, even the Star Wars KOTOR stuff that they did early on. And I'm really shocked that they deviated from that. And instead, what they ended up doing, I don't even think they even had a plan to really support that necessarily. And But then I think that toward the end, when they were getting close to release, that they realized they had messed up just due to the fan outcry. And so then they like haphazardly like put something together that actually was like grounds for a, like a decent like outline of a story, but didn't actually have like meat and potatoes of the story. What do you think about that, Steve? No, I, that's where I would have started too, because 
the story was the first thing that we wrote, you know, raised an eyebrow over when they were talking about it on different panels. They, they were really propping it up like it was going to be something, oh, you know, uh, something real deep. And we're going, well, that is, I, I'm, I'm trying to follow along with what you're saying, but I don't have a freaking clue what you're talking about. And who's this and who's that? And they were trying to build some lore. And I'm like, who's who and what's happening and <laughs> hey this is shiny and cool over here let's focus on that but they were trying to bring you back in the story and then when the game launched i mean the story was just as convoluted as they were trying to make or, you know as how it sounded and and so yeah a story would definitely work in their favor something much deeper than what we have because by the end of the game even like from the middle I were even just probably I should even just say a quarter into the game I could care less about anybody my oh, character sure. the main character the enemy I, I I really didn't care I just I mean I'm, by and large I liked flying around and shooting stuff but that's the high and short of it so I, I would I love to have a better story and have you know eat some popcorn while I'm you know playing and and and, and building up my character absolutely. And if you need to take a little more time to develop that story, please do that. I mean, no one wants a rush story in a rushed game. So, yes, point number one, story, check it off the box there, Russ. Well, and I think, too, when it came to the story itself, they they had the the kind of like, oh, this is what happened before our time where they had the like this epic battle against the wall and that sort of thing which I felt like I, I was left out in it, Like, to be honest, like you, you were watching the, the cut scenes where the, you had this huge battle of like this other army that was taking place. They were trying to breach into uh, the fort. And I don't know, like, like that just really seemed like a wasted opportunity for us to actually live through that experience. And then not only that, but then the, the main villain who they had, who actually I found to be kind of interesting as a villain um, we end up killing him off much too soon. And so then there's no kind of antagonist to really define like, like what kind of threat is going on out there, uh, which I think is, is also a, a big problem. But I do think too, that, that there wasn't enough emphasis placed on the idea that you had some sort of like crazy beings that actually created this world and left it before they were finished completing it and how they had these generators that were there that was able to uh, generate life as well as, as different parts of the world and that sort of thing. It just, once again, it was more of a facade, but nothing that actually created long lasting purpose. So, um, Another thing I listed was that um, I want, you know, for, for version 2.0, I'd like for them to explore the friendships and create new ones, but continue to stay away from the romantic relationships. Cause I do think that was um, a plus in the original game was that they didn't go down this path of, of the obligatory romantic relationship thing, because I really feel like Bioware was starting to abuse that a bit and, and focus on that too much as opposed to having really great gameplay in other games like, like the mass effect franchise, for instance. So I, I remember playing through the original Anthem game and I think it was like, like the very last part of the game where I was finally starting to click. And I'm, I'm noticing there's kind of a trend with this because even in, in the star Wars game that 
we were playing recently, I had the same problem where it got to like the last 20% of the game where I finally started to feel like I was bonding with my crew on the ship. But then the game ended prematurely and I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's unfortunate because I was really starting to get invested. Did you have that feeling? Yeah, I did. But I, I, I think it would it would be it would be beneficial to not only just go with the characters that they give you, but uh, I think they had actually had some promises of where you would be able to visit other like civilizations within this world and make other alliances and not just keep on coming back to the same, you know, small world with the little fountain and a couple people in the bar and, you know, whatever. So, I mean, with that, I, w- I would like the, the a much bigger map of different places that I could, you know, set up camp in a way or, or call home or, um, you know, just, just visit, shop, upgrade, craft, you know, exchange stuff, you know, for that I found for other parts or money, you know, instead of coming back to the same old place. Uh, it just makes it feel more confined in a smaller world where they had it. It didn't feel like we could get out there and stretch our wings. No pun intended. <clears throat> right. Indeed. Um, so do you remember, well, like, well, actually, let me ask you this. Do you know what I was referring to when I was talking about, um, the, the NPC interactions? Yes. <clears throat> Remember how we were watching the the kind of the reveal trailer that they played at, at E3 and there one moment you were walking down the market in first person and there was just some dude, some random person who came out and actually walked up and started talking to you and talking about how he was looking for you and he had something he wanted to, to run by you and that sort of thing. And we both thought it was such a fresh approach to the interactions with NPCs. Right. In the sense that, like, you didn't have to, like, be the one to constantly proactively go up to different characters that had, like, a notification above their head and start a dialogue with them that you could actually be minding your own business, going about your your little routine, and all of a sudden someone would come out and stop you and talk to you and say, oh, I'm sorry to stop you, I have a question or I have a favor to ask or whatever it is. I was really bummed that they actually did not have that at all in the final game. And I think that that is definitely worth them looking into and implementing into the version 2.0. What say you? No, I wholeheartedly, uh, I wholeheartedly agree, Russ. I, I missed that when the game actually came out and I haven't played any other game that did have that aspect in there. So I think if they did bring that back, that'd be pretty good. Although I wouldn't say all the time, I would say, if that happened every once in a while, that'd be definitely cool. Because if it happened all the time, you, you you would just learn to expect it, and the surprise would be over in like the first you know couple of hours. So that you're playing the game, like everybody's like, oh hey, oh hey, oh hey. Then I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. You, you're implementing this new idea, <laughs> you know. But I mean, if they had variants of that where uh, you know people were socializing and you know and, in the marketplace and talking, and then and then someone goes, oh hey, over here, you know, or and that kind of waves you over or. Uh, if you're walking by that and you can hear something coming out of like the right speaker going, Hey, where are you going? Like you and the, you know, whatever. Um, and then you would just turn around and be like, Hey, I was trying to reach up, reach out to you. Uh, that would definitely be cool. Instead of, you know, you walking off to an obvious place that you're supposed to go. And then someone you're looking at comes up to you, um, all the time. I, I, I'd like them to, to do some variants of exactly that. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want that to be the case all the time where like you just couldn't 
go about your business without being interrupted constantly. But there would definitely have to be a balance between people who you, like you would approach and people who would approach you. And I think there could definitely be a, a proper middle ground there. <laughs> you know what they should have though too is like um, an, an ignore button. So if someone wants to go, hey, hey, hey I come up to you, you got to hit ignore and then continue to <laughs> be on your way because they would be kind of annoying if you if there was multiple things to do in the game and then you were trying to get to one like spot like a save spot for example and someone kept on bugging you like because they wanted to talk <laughs> and all you wanted to do was like <laughs> get to your javelin or, or get to a save point so you can stop the game and, and not have to like continue this conversation you know so that'd be kind of interesting if you kind of wave them off or ignore and, and come back later <laughs> it's true um Another thing I had listed is for 2.0, please fill the stores with a ton of content and oh, make yeah. sure that each store has exclusive and unique content that separates each other from, you know, like, like from store A to store B to store C, whatever. Cause like that was one of the biggest letdowns to me was like, it didn't matter which store you went to in the marketplace they all were selling the exact same items. Yeah, so terrible. <laughs> it was like, what, what on earth? Uh, <laughs> Why do we even have like three different merchants if they're all selling the exact same thing at the exact right. same time? And it was just a, you know, a result of there not being enough content. And I think also too, being able to rotate content and have timed exclusives and that sort of thing, it just never saw the light of day <clears> simply because the game wasn't ready to be launched yet. Well, also, it didn't make it. Well, here's, you know, tossing a little more dirt on it, which is so it was low content that you could get with the credit you received in the game from from carrying out a, a mission and whatever. So you, you, you got money and then you couldn't spend it on like basically more than two items, maybe three at the most. And then they came out and said, but if you want to spend your actual, you know, U.S. dollars, you can give us some end credit game that's different than the credit you already have, you know, and have these microtransactions for other very, very, very limited uh, content that they were bringing out. I thought that that was such a, I don't, you know, I don't mind microtransactions where like, you know, at Overwatch, for example, you like loot boxes, pay us a couple bucks, we'll give you more loot boxes. But, or if you want this skin, you can, you know, you, <laughs> you, you can give us some more money and then you, you'll eventually get enough credit to get that skin. But they, they, they'll give you a ton of stuff that you can already get with the game currency. And so they didn't limit it to like one or two things. And then a, this whole other market where you actually had to spend more than the 60 bucks that you spent on the game. You know, so I thought that was kind of a slap in the face. So like, give me content to reward me for going out and doing this mission, which gave me credit that I can use to buy stuff in the game. And then you gave me nothing to buy. Like, what's the whole point of just doing this mission? Like, what am I, why am I in existence? And what's the point of this mission? Like, I'm, if I just want to do away with this nuisance, am I, am I a charity javelin? I'm just going to donate my time and all my ammunition and my life, you know, to take care of this, these repeated issues or what, you know? Yeah. It, th there was, yeah, definitely a sour taste in my mouth when it came to the microtransactions. And that was still when EA was really elbow deep in trying to force all of their games to, to have this type of pay to win kind of uh, situation or really like, I don't know, like it just had this sense of, of kind of a 
used car salesman, like the sleazy used car salesman approach. So the final thing on my list that I have is when it comes to the world itself, you know, I thought that the world looked really neat. It was a cool looking world, but I think that they, uh, didn't pay attention to the story setup that they themselves created and they overlooked and, and missed a huge opportunity here in terms of creating the tech from the ground up to, to actually be a procedural world. And what I mean by that is I think having the backstory where you have these types of ancient generators, and I, I, I apologize. I can't remember like what the actual names are for these generator things, but the idea is, is that they're the things that, that are responsible for actually like maintaining the world and creating new parts of the world and creating new creatures and that sort of thing. Basically just, just they're, they are responsible. They're almost like custodians for this world. And I think that when it comes to MMORPGs, I have said this many times on the program, my biggest beef with MMORPGs is the fact that there's kind of this rinse and repeat gameplay loop that you're on where the, the landscapes are largely the same and you have these types of uh, boss fights that are, that are recycled intentionally for the idea of being able to score loot. So you don't know what loot you're going to get. So you, you constantly go back and forth. And that was one of the, the issues that we had when we were playing Anthem. We're like, you know, the first like 10 times that we were fighting the, the final like boss alien spider thing, it was really cool. But then by the time we were doing it for like the 48th time, it lost its appeal. It lost its intensity and luster. And so it turned into this, this kind of really lazy grind that you had to do just because you were hoping to be able to get maybe a better weapon or a better skin. So I think when it comes to this, there needs to be, and it's not just for the folks at Bioware. I really do think that in terms of a, a next-gen MMORPG, they have to be able to come up with a way for the environments themselves to be procedural in the sense that every time that, that you leave the fort, let's just say Anthem, for example, that the the terrain itself, like like the the world map, is different. The placement of the mountains is different. The placement of the rivers and the valleys are different. The where the foliage, the trees, all the creatures and stuff, where they're actually spawned, is different every single time. So that way, it's a new experience. You feel lost every time you go, and that's what creates adventure. That's what creates the excitement of going out there every single time because you never know what you're going to get. And I think when it comes to the creatures as well, they should come up with some sort of way. And, and we've seen this done in previous titles. Like when I think of Halo, for example, I think they started this uh, is either Halo 3 or um, Halo Reach. But they started doing this thing with multiplayer where you could buy or, or not necessarily buy, but you could earn different types of armor components, whether they were helmets or gauntlets or backpacks or whatever it is. Like, like you had all the different components that made up a master chief, right? And you could customize that however you wanted. You, you could cross pollinate armor from like a scout trooper um, as well as like something else entirely. I don't remember all the different, um, you know, classes of Spartan, but the point is, is that you can mix and match and everybody had their own type of look. 
I'm saying take that one step further when it comes to all the creatures and enemies of the world. So that way you can say, oh, these generators are, are acting as gateways, which actually happened one time in the story itself. If you recall, like you were, you came upon one of those generators and it came, it was like some sort of weird space monkey gorilla thing that you had to fight. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that would have been amazing because what we have currently is you have like a bunch of empty spaces with like torches that are lit and you have some like little piddly little uh, militia pirate people Fighters, that are yeah. running around, but that's it. Like you don't have like the, these um, exotic crazy threatening creatures and stuff that are just kind of living in the world in their own kind of habitat. In fact, if you recall, when we watched that reveal trailer at E3, they really pushed that notion that you could be going through, maybe going on a mission to find something and you'd be seeing a lot of the wildlife just doing their thing. You could choose to engage with it or not. I think it was a much more live organic lived in kind of feel. And I think that's one of the big things that, this group of 30 people are going to need to look at. But that's just one man's opinion. What do you think? So you hit on a couple of things there. Uh, so, yes, the the environment needs to be bigger, but it also needs more variety where, yes, it, it was beautiful, but it never really felt like I, I got past the first level because it, yes, there was parts with more green and bigger trees and, uh, you know, daytime, nighttime, that sort of thing. But it didn't really feel like I got 200 miles away from, uh, from home. You know, it didn't feel like I had to take one of those AT STs <laughs> looking things and, and had to go to a whole different part of the, of the planet uh, to visit or do a mission. You just kind of felt like, yeah, those pesky uh, Zeus looking, you know, Zion dealy dudes that uh, fire a lot of fiery lightning out of their faces. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the one of those is back again and go ahead and take care of them. It's so it, it, they need to do more level design so that like Mass Effect, for example, if you know Mass Effect, you got in a ship, you went to a different planet. The whole planet was different. If you got if you got in your ship and you went to a different planet, but the same but the planet looked like the same planet you came from, it wouldn't feel like you really left. It would have felt like it was a cheap uh, knockoff. And so that was part of the appeal of Mass Effect was because you got in a ship, you went into light speed, you traveled somewhere, and you were really far from home, and the place was different, and you couldn't just get out and walk around. Sometimes you had to, you know, drive around in your little vehicle, and uh, you know there was a lot more variety to it. So yes, I, it feels like w with the progression, they need some different level design. And if, you know, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, something entirely different, but I need to get away from this rainforest that, that looks like the first level to feel like I'm actually progressing through the game. True. Um, and yeah, you know, sometimes there was these, you know, side little tidbits where you went underground for a little bit or you went underwater, but those were like very few and far between and short lived. And after that, it was kind of back to the business as usual. But also with the, with, with all the loot that you got in the game, this was a looter shooter, which was why it was in competition with destiny and the loot never felt rewarding. And when, except for like when you first started playing the game, yeah, there was a ton of different weapons you could choose, but by again, like the third day you're going, yeah, I got like 12 of these pistols and, uh, you know, they're not really any better. 
than the one I got before. So I'm just going to sell them. But what they, what I get from selling them, I can't buy anything for them or I can't, you know, craft anything to improve the pistol I have. So it's not really worth doing anyway. So I have to repeat, repeat, repeat until I finally stumble upon a random, uh, you know, gimme that was like a baddie drops. And so that, that lost a lot of its appeal because the levels look the same. The guns are the same. The loots are the same. Like, (laughs) When you want to play something different, you want a new immersive experience, you're not going to go back to playing Anthem. I mean, you're just not. So they need to improve on the loot. They, I mean, in the demo they had, the the guns actually looked a lot better. But for some reason, with the money and time and the big wigs who, try, who, who were confused on trying to make the ultimate decision for uh, or, or to execute the game, we got what we got, which was disappointing. So if you're going to, give me loot and you're going to give me new guns to shoot, then both need to be rewarding or else what's the purpose of making this type of game? Yeah. Well, that's all I have on my list. Did you have anything on the top of your head that you wanted to hopefully see with this 2.0? I would like to see, well, I was going to say customization, but you already kind of hit on that, but, and, and we already kind of touched on that too, with more stuff we could craft and buy. Uh, you know, I think one of the one of the main areas that that Anthem fell short in comparison to the little bit of time that I that I played with of, of Destiny or Destiny Two rather is when I played Destiny Two, it did feel like I was on different planets and the scenery was different and the baddies were different. You know, that's the thing too. The the baddies, I think I maybe touched upon it. They they need, they need more enemy design. Of course, I mean. Yes, it was nice to see little innocent creatures running around every once in a while, but at, but they had like the raiders and they had the big crawly things and every once in a while they have a boss and then they had like the leopards. And beyond that, I can't think of anything else. And they had that little, I mean, well, it was more wildlife, but they had those kind of pterodactyl looking things that kind of breathe fire. They were like dragon pterodactyls. But other than that, it wasn't really, oh, you know what else they need to fix? They need to fix the skybox because skybox. What, yes, what were you thinking of? Because, you know, I don't need like the highest amount of altitude that I can fly, but it would be nice to be able to know that if I got a little bit higher or if I just went a millimeter up in altitude, that there would not be some astronomical storm happening where you would, you would completely lose your, your jets and your, 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 your javelin would short out and you would come crashing down to the ground. And, and there were maybe areas where yes, there were, they were higher. Like you would have to go up a mountain and, but then, so that it would let you get higher elevation that way. But if you stayed that elevation and continued to go straight where the level then dropped off, it would suddenly bug out on you and you couldn't stay that height. And then you came crashing down. So it's like, it, it was a pre-programmed, of yes, you can get this high only in certain places, but you couldn't stay that high um, or else you'd be uh, subject to whatever stratospheric storm was supposedly happening, whatever excuse they made while they couldn't do it. And you, you know, you would go plummeting to earth or to the ground. That's what I would say needs to be fixed. Yeah. Do you think that it's worth them actually exploring the possibility of um, doing an Anthem 2.0? You know, I do. I do. I really, really do. I mean, especially with the next generation of hard drives and, and, and systems that are coming out. That's what the game, I think, was, was definitely made for. And Anthem might have been earlier than the time of it, of it or 
the time that it was released was probably premature. Like if they said we're working on this, but it's going to be for next generation systems, I don't think it probably would have had all these errors. Because I think when they gave it to us, yes, it looked a little bit better on some of the some of the you know, Xbox One X's and your PS4 Pros, but um, I think with the next gen stuff that's coming, they could implement a lot more of the thoughts and ideas that they probably had. So mm-hmm. Anthem 2.0 definitely makes sense. Not definitely give it time. I'd give it another playthrough for sure, but I just don't want it to be another Star Wars Battlefront 2 where they go, okay, well, yeah, those ideas didn't work. We're sorry about that. So this is how we're going to try and get another 60 bucks out of people, but it's going to be the same game anyway. You know, I think actually Destiny 2 started hitting on those again because I remember the community saying, hey, you were supposed to fix all this stuff and thanks for bringing out another Destiny game, but the stuff we don't like about the first game is still in that we com- that we complained about with the first game is still in the second game and they just went with it. Yeah, Destiny 2 is very interesting to me in the sense that the fans have largely stuck by it despite the the very long list of shortcomings and flaws and issues and complaints. It's really, I don't know, I find it very interesting, um, which is definitely not the case with Anthem. You know, I think with Destiny, the first Destiny game was enjoyed quite a bit by its fan base. And then Destiny 2, when it came out, it already had that installed fan base to draw from, whereas Anthem didn't have that at all. But I I am glad to see that that Anthem is getting a facelift. I don't know if they're going to charge money for it or if they're just going to update it and say, here you go. You know, this is the stuff that should have been uh, fixed in the first place or whatever. I think that remains to be seen. I do think it's interesting, though, that you bring up Star Wars Battlefront just because that is yet another EA title. Like, EA has had this string of games where, for whatever reason, their their executive board really applies the pressure to try and get these games out before they're actually ready. And I think that that goes a long way with Anthem in the sense that Anthem, as an idea, is really cool. But I think that the bigwigs need to get out of the way and let these studios be able to fully bake their ideas, like, like be able to work in the, the proverbial digital kitchen and come up with recipes that will in fact generate long-term revenue for EA. And so it's, I don't know, it, it's pretty interesting how this journey has been so far for the game. I will tell you that when I, when I popped in there really quickly, there are still other players that are playing the game. So it does have people who enjoy the the world itself. And I'm here to tell you that, I mean, I, for one, I want to enjoy the world. I really want to be one of those people that look forward to going in and playing the game. Because even when like, when you and Nick and I would go in and go on some of the, the, adventures and hunts and stuff like that. I thought it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing alongside you guys. I just think that there, there simply wasn't enough content. And I think that this is the same kind of issue that sea of thieves has where sea of thieves was intentionally released when it was like 50% complete. Like they had solidified the basic game core mechanics, but they didn't actually flesh the world out. And it's been kind of this funky, weird relationship I've had with that game where I'll occasionally like go in and see what all they've done that's new. And you can tell that the world does feel 
a little more fleshed out over time, but at the same time, like my interest level was waning. Like, like if you were to look at like a stock chart style visual, it's like, you could see two lines that are being charted. One is the amount of content that's being added, which is going up. But then you, there's like an X pattern that's, that's being created by this other line that, that represents my interest level as it's going down. <laughs> So oh, that, that's totally true. That's totally true. And then when we when they would bring out new content, we'd go, "Oh, okay, yeah, let's go back to CFDs to see what it was." And they, like the the whole like the like the, those volcanoy islands. But once we saw it, and the game was still the same of you know basically digging up treasure and getting skulls and and treasure chests and and or getting some animals to bring back to tr- you know to trade in for for cash. Like the game was still the same, and once we saw the the volcano islands, that was it. And so they spent all this time to prepare a part of the map that was pretty good for a couple of days, maybe. And then where our interest was back down <laughs> to where it was again because it was still the same game. Versus if they had it out in the beginning, then it would be like, oh, we we haven't even explored this area of the map. Let's go over here, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think that the best way to move forward, in my opinion, when it comes to a game like this, and especially with the whole software as a service mindset, you have to have the game be 100% complete first. And then when you want to flesh out and continue supporting the game moving forward using DLC content and DLC packs, that's how you go about doing it. Because any any game that I can think of where the game was fully fleshed out and they continued to have DLC packs just, you know, annually come out or, you know, whatever, like just in support. You had tremendous support from the fan base who would instantly buy that that additional pack or content or whatever it is, apply it, and then it, it just acted as a way to enrich the world. And typically you'd have maybe a grand total of like three different DLC packs that would come out. And software as a service just has to make that longer. Like instead of three DLC packs, it's just, you know, maybe you have 10 or 20 or whatever it is. But the point is, is that you have a game that is fully realized that will not cause gamers to lose interest prematurely and you can continue to build upon that. So I think I, I speak for both of us when we we definitely want to wish the team at Bioware the best of luck on trying to make 2.0 a better play experience. And we'll be here to check it out. I think that uh, we're curious to see what you come up with. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but certainly not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live. We'll see you next week.